0: Welcome to podcast number 20, with help with Parkinson's. Our guest today is Dr. Subramanian, movement disorder specialist from Hershey Medical Center. And I'm your host, Warren Bethnick. Dr. Sub, welcome to our show.
1: Hi. Thank you again, Warren, for um, having me back.
0: Sure. Our topic today is UB312, something most people probably never heard of. And uh, it's a vaccine that helps with Parkinson's. Dr. Soup, could you explain a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So um, I want to start out by just um, talking a little bit about vaccines in general. And in general, when uh, a public person uh, who didn't know any better um, hears the word vaccine, we immediately think about um, immunization against infectious diseases. Uh, Examples of uh, vaccines that many of us would have taken as children are chickenpox vaccine, Uh, maybe older generation would remember smallpox vaccine, polio vaccine, um, vaccine for pneumococcus, or the flu shot, which is also uh, a vaccine against influenza, which again is a virus. So uh, these are things that people are familiar with. Older generation folks who currently have Parkinson's disease or who have family members who have Parkinson's disease may be getting, for example, pneumococcus vaccine or what we call pneumo wax, and that is to prevent um, pneumonia caused by uh, pneumococcus. Uh, Another example would be the shingles vaccine. It's a vaccine against uh, herpes zoster, which is a virus that gives shingles Another example would be the yearly flu shot, where we are getting an, in, an injection to prevent the flu. Now, in all these cases, the idea is to use an infectious virus or bacteria, uh, make it inactive or make it attenuated. Attenuated meaning weak, extremely weak. And then you either inject it or give it by mouth. So, for example, Polio vaccine is given by mouth, and it is uh, a, a live attenuated virus, meaning the virus is made so weak that it cannot give you polio, but it goes into your stomach, gives you the immunity to fight the disease. So if you were to get a real polio, then it will fight it. So that's the, the example. Now, of course, there is also inactivated virus, uh, which was later discovered by another uh, scientist, Um and it's called the Sabine vaccine, which has given us a shot for polio. So in any of the case, there is an infectious particle. So it's a virus in the case of polio, and in the case of um, pneumococcus, it's a bacteria. Now let's think about the flu. Now the flu is again a virus, and it's a group of viruses called the influenza virus. And each season, We have different types of virus that come, and they come in what we call pandemics. Pandemic means it goes through multiple countries. uh, Several continents are sometimes involved. And when this happens, the bug, the virus, mutates. So each year you have a different type or subtype of virus that occurs. So each year we have to make a new vaccine, and the new vaccine contains a very small attenuated or weakened virus. And the hope is that because you got that already and your body is able to mount the immune response, then you won't get the flu. So this is the idea of the flu shot. Now, you might say, okay, what does that got to do with Parkinson's disease? And that's where the interesting science begins. Um, we can think about developing immune system in our body against other things other than infectious diseases. So the same concept, but this time we're saying, okay, how about we fight other things that happen to our body, but this time take advantage of the immune system to fight it. So one of the first examples of non-infectious vaccine came from the cancer field. So for example, Uh, many of you may know about a cancer which is called melanoma. This is a skin cancer. It's extremely common in white-skinned people who don't have as much the melanin pigment in the skin. And if you're exposed to a lot of sun in excess, you are at higher risk for getting melanoma. By the way, uh, white-skinned people or light-skinned people who have Parkinson's disease Um, do have a higher risk of melanoma, and you do need to have your skin checked at least once a year by your primary care doctor, or in some cases, we might even say, go see the dermatologist, the skin doctor. But that being an aside, the first example of vaccination for treatment of cancer kind of came from the melanoma field. So what the scientists did here was that after they removed the melanoma from the skin, so let's say somebody had a melanoma, they underwent surgery, the cancer was removed, they then took those cancer cells and grew them in a dish. And then they exposed those um, uh, cancer cells in animals to see whether the animal will mount an immune response to the cells. And lo and behold, they found that um, some animals actually mounted a very strong response against these cancer cells. So from this idea came the notion that you could treat cancer by immunization, by creating a vaccine. So then they were able to make melanoma vaccine, and these are customized vaccines that are made from cancer cells, taking certain parts of the cancer cell that would make immunity against the cancer. Obviously, they don't want to put the cancer back in the patient because then the patient would die from cancer. But if you can take whatever that would generate the immune response and take that part and put it into the patient's body, then you would develop an immunity. So there are several cancer vaccines already in use. And there are several patients who have Advanced cancer who have already been treated and they have undergone chemotherapy and radiation, but they're still at risk of having the cancer come back, they do get the cancer vaccines. Now, what has this all got to do with Parkinson's disease? Well, the same idea if you knew that in Parkinson's disease you have pathology going on in the brain, a particular part of the brain is getting um, sick and eventually dying. And if you knew why those brain cells were dying, and you can attack that using an immune mechanism, perhaps you can stymie or reduce the risk of the person getting um, Parkinson's disease. So using this idea, uh, some of the scientists looked at a protein, and this protein is called alpha-synuclein. Alpha-synuclein is present in all Parkinson patients inside their brain in an area called the substantia nigra and they form clusters or clums and these clusters and clums lead to what we call Lewy bodies. And these Lewy bodies then cause nerve cells to die and they're toxic to the brain, they, they cause the death of the cells. And so one of the ways to deal with uh, Parkinson's disease would be to say, hey, if we can make a vaccine against alpha-synuclein, and if the immune system can go in and either scavenge all the alpha-synuclein from the brain or at least prevent it from spreading from one cell to the other, then perhaps we can have slowing of Parkinson's disease. So this idea is what the basis for Uh, causing a vaccine or creating a vaccine for Parkinson's disease. So let me just briefly summarize what I said so far. Uh, Vaccine is uh, generally used for treating of infectious disease. Examples are polio vaccine, flu shot, uh, the um, herpes zoster or shingles shot, etc. And here you try to cause the body to produce an immune reaction that prevents us from getting an infection. And this idea has been used to create body's immune response against cancer and is already in use for treatment. And now because we already have agents against infectious disease, against cancer, we're thinking about using the same idea to uh, sort of stop Parkinson's disease progression or reduce the severity of Parkinson's disease progression uh, using the same idea. So this is the concept. I'll stop there and pause to get uh, Warren's reaction.
0: Okay, so I'm curious about one question. Assuming that this vaccine works, we're jumping in time a little bit, and you give it to somebody that has a full family history of Parkinson's disease, and they never had any symptoms yet, you think that could actually make it so they never get Parkinson's disease?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question, and that's one of the ideas um, that is being um, looked into. Um, at the present time, there are several groups that are doing clinical trials um, for uh, this particular vaccine approach, and one group which is doing it uh, actually is targeting uh, patients with a strong family history of Parkinson's disease. And they're also doing it on healthy controls. So they are making sure that healthy people who get the immunization don't get any other, um, bad consequences. So at the present time, um, there are, um, three different, actually four different types of immunization, um, studies that are going on. One is by a company, which is called, um, uh, neuroimmune biogen. Another one is uh, Proteina, otherwise called Roche. And then there are two other uh, studies that are going with the uh, AFFIRIS, A-F-F-I-R-I-S. And the studies, they all um, are using either active immunization or they're looking at um, passive immunization. So let's go over what active means and what does passive mean. So one idea, which is a passive one, is to generate the antibodies or the things that fight the immune system outside of the human body. You can make it in what we called a a cell culture system where you grow B cells. B cells are the part of the body that produce what we call immunoglobulins. And by growing them in cell culture, you can actually generate – antibodies, and then these antibodies can be injected into patients. Uh, The other one is uh, where we don't uh, give immunization passively, but you do active immunization. Here the idea would be to take a portion of the alpha-synuclein, the protein that we were talking about, and uh, don't use the whole thing, but use a portion of it, and then use that to generate immunity in the patient by injecting that into the patient. Both have advantages and disadvantages. Uh, The passive immunization um, does not generate long-term memory in the body against the alpha-synuclein, but it's also a little bit safer because it lasts for a little bit and then gets cleared away. Now, if you use the active immunization, where you're actually putting a portion of the alpha-synuclein into the body, and asking the body to make the uh, generate the immune response, well, then that has um, long-term memory. You can actually uh, remember, the body can remember that there was a foreign protein for a long time and can fight it. Which brings back the question that Warren asked. You know, what if you have a family member who does not have Parkinson's, but have many members of the family who already have Parkinson's, can you intervene early? and prevent them from getting the Parkinson's to begin with. That's still not known. That particular experiment has still not been done to its fullest extent, but that's where the field may go in the future. Right now, the idea is to take a person who already has Parkinson's disease, but it's in a very early stage, mild disease, give them the vaccine and see whether you can prevent the disease from getting any worse. So in that sense, this is a vaccine that prevents disease from getting worse. It doesn't really prevent disease, uh, which is an important concept uh, compared to the other examples of infectious disease that we just talked about, where you take the flu shot before you get the flu so that you don't get the flu and uh, shingles, you take the shingles shot before you get the shingles. Although, some doctors would tell you that even if you get shingles, it's worthwhile for you to take the shingles shot because you don't want to get it another time. So, But again, it's to prevent disease completely. But in this case, we're talking about a vaccination strategy that would reduce the severity of the disease or slow down progression of disease. I hope it's not too confusing that we went over these different nuances of vaccination. No, that's
0: that's good. Yeah. And uh, another question on the other end is, Let's assume that this gets fast tracked by the FDA and they allow it in the extremely sick patients. What would happen if assume that the vaccine works? If you give it to somebody that's in stage four of Parkinson's disease, you think it could make them better, or is it too late for that?
1: Right. So that's a that's also a very interesting question. So um, the the current studies um, are looking at. A extreme form of Parkinsonism, which is called MSA, multisystem atrophy. This is a disease that is different from Parkinson's disease. Uh, however, it has a lot of similarities to Parkinson's disease. The patients do become very slow, they fall a lot, they have blood pressure disturbances, they have autonomic disturbances, etc. So one of these studies of vaccinations is actually targeting MSA. So it's very similar to advanced Parkinson's disease, which is what the question you asked. Um, So in MSA, the hope is that at least you can arrest the disease. Maybe you can't recover completely, but at least you can arrest it from rapid progression. So taking that same argument, you could say, well, if you take stage four Parkinson patient, which fortunately we don't have a lot, you know, we have very good treatment these days that most people don't get to stage four and stage five. Most people, we can keep them well-treated in stage three for a very long time. And nature takes care of uh, patients uh, from uh, causing death in some other reasons, not due to Parkinson's, while they're still in stage three. Very few, if any, reach stage four and stage five uh, in these days. But uh, I think to take that extreme example that Warren asked, indeed, if you had somebody in stage four or stage five, and you want to arrest further disease progression, this vaccine approach may actually work out because if your body develops an immune response and you're able to prevent the alpha-synuclein from uh, further causing damage in the brain, perhaps you wouldn't progress to a much worse scenario or cause death from Parkinson's disease. I hope that answered your question.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I had was that uh, this, I know that this, vaccine could have antibodies preferentially bind to the alpha synuclein Mm -hmm. and prevent, and prevent the clumping Mm -hmm. that causes the problem. Right. And, and that's, that's the whole point is to prevent the clumping. Now the clumping is actually Lewy bodies. Is that correct?
1: Right. So um, that's a, Simplified version of saying thanks. so let me try and explain that. So normally, everybody has alpha-synuclein. So healthy people also have alpha-synuclein in the body. And when we have alpha-synuclein in our bodies, in healthy people who don't have Parkinson's disease, occasionally the body makes mistakes, errors, in making the alpha-synuclein. And when the mistaken form of alpha-synuclein, which are, um, you know, uh, folded incorrectly, they're usually repaired by the body easily. Uh, And this repair mechanism, there's uh, inside the cell, there are repair mechanisms that take care of misfolded proteins. However, in Parkinson's disease, for reasons that are not entirely clear, these misfolded proteins are not taken care of and they actually accumulate inside the cell. When they reach a certain amount of accumulation, they clump together and form what we call... Uh, Lewy body. They form the core of the Lewy body. There are other things in the Lewy body besides alpha-synuclein. There are other proteins that are added on, but the core, the the mainstay of the Lewy body is actually the uh, alpha-synuclein clumps. Now, beyond that, when cells die as a result of Parkinson's disease, they release these clumps outside the cell. They actually uh, get out of the cell. And when they get out of the cell, other cells in the neighborhood are able to take it up. This alpha-synuclein can be taken off by other cells. Now, there are certain scavenger cells that are going around in the brain, checking wherever there are toxic material, and they scavenge them. One of them is called microglia. These microglia go in and scavenge these uh, these misfolded proteins, if they are the one taking it up, nothing bad happens because microglia is able to take it out of where it needs to be and put it away to to the right location. But if it is taken up by other nerve cells, so for example, dopamine producing cells that are in substantial nigra, they take up some of these clumps of uh, alpha-synuclein. Well, they also get sick now because they got infected by or affected by than these same clumps of protein. And it turns out that if there are already some clumping of these alpha-synuclein, then more clumping occurs. So it it seems like bad begets more bad. So if there's already a little bit of it, then it actually makes it worse. So the vaccine strategy is to say, hey, let's um, have these extra things that come out of the cell, the alpha-synuclein clumps that come out of the cell, Uh, get taken up by the microglia, the scavenger cells, uh, have them remove it, or at least prevent them from going to other cells and cause damage to other cells. And they can do that either by this passive immunization, which is to put antibodies, and by making antibodies around these cells, the cells no longer are uh, able to take up these uh, foreign proteins, or by making these foreign proteins uh, blocked by the antibodies so that now they lo- no longer are capable of going into other cells. Or finally, by active immunization, you actually prime the microglia, make these scavenger cells ready to go. They go around looking for these uh, alphas and clumps, and then phagocytosis, make make basically uh, swallow them or eat them, and by eating them, you prevent them from going in and, and uh, attacking other cells or getting into other cells and causing the Lewy body formation to occur there. So all three strategies, passive and active immunization, protection of the cell or protection against these uh, clumps entering the cell, all of them are viable strategies. So uh, that sort of summarizes the mechanism.
0: Right. It sounds complicated, but it also sounds like it could amount to something. Right. So you know, right. we talked about a few weeks ago, the microbiome, mm-hmm. which is the uh, learning that there's neurons or, or some type of neuron activity in the gut. And also then the next a little later, we talked about the alpha-synuclein being found in the, the digestive system, especially in the appendix. Yes. and And then we know that the vagal nerve works to bring that up to the brain. Yes. So it seems like, I don't know if you can answer this question, but like they talk about the doomsday clock. Is there a way of having a cure clock at midnight and you letting us know how far away we are as they come up with each one of these scenarios that they could try? Like if, like if it was, let's say, 10 after the hour and all this stuff brought it to 11 after the hour or something like that. Is, it, is that a I right. know no, no, you can't speak for everything, but that would be kind of an interesting way of looking at
1: it. Right. So I think uh, you, you bring up a very, um, very interesting model. So the model would be to say, OK, do we go after one thing or do we go after multiple things? Do we use different strategies or do we use one strategy? And all of those questions are relevant. Um, the honest answer is, I think, in the Parkinson world, we're still in the discovery phase. We're discovering all these different things. And we're not sure whether we should be attacking everything at the same time, or we attacking one at a time. But uh, to your point about the cure clock, um, I think most people in the field currently think that the disease process begins outside of the nervous system. There is a little bit of argument whether it's happening in the stomach or in the gut, or it's happening in the olfactory system in the nose. But I think there's increasing evidence uh, both based on both the appendix study as well as other studies that the GI tract, the gut, may be the source where alpha synuclein first forms. And that may be the reason why uh, disease uh, symptoms such as constipation is extremely prevalent and even gastric emptying disorders, um, problems with emptying of the stomach are also very, very common in Parkinson's disease and happens early in the disease. And um, as we uh, proved with our animal model, where we were able to give paraquartin lectin, we showed that um, this indeed, the alpha-synuclein, makes it up to the brain via the vagus nerve. And cutting the vagus nerve or uh, disconnecting the vagus nerve from the stomach actually prevents the alpha-synuclein from making it up to the brain. So this all of this points to the fact that yes it's starting in the stomach or in the gut and then it makes its way into the brain. The second part of this is that once it makes it to the brain it seems at least the preliminary uh, work that we have done so far and others have done also suggests that alpha-synuclein has to make its way into the substantia nigra, the part of the brain where dopamine is produced in order for it to do any kind of damage. If it's there in other parts of the brain, it typically does not produce a lot of problems um, and the brain is able to tolerate the presence of uh, misfolded alpha-synuclein in other portions of the brain. But then once it makes it to the nigra, then it seems to cause um, rapid damage and this damage is progressive, as we all know and so over time, this disease gets worse and worse. So then the question is, where do we intervene? Do we intervene in the stomach? Do we intervene in the brain? Or do we intervene both stomach and brain? Now, the nice thing about the immunization strategy, both the passive and active, is that we are taking advantage of the body's immune system to attack wherever alpha-synuclein is. So if it's there in the stomach, it goes to the stomach. If it goes to the brain, it goes to the brain. So. There, there's some attraction in using strategies which you're using your own body's immune system to attack alpha-synuclein, which is being bad. Now, there's also a double-edged sword. If you immunize against alpha-synuclein too much and your body attacks all the alpha-synuclein that's there, even the little bit that you need for normal functioning, that could be bad news. So we have to figure out a way in which um, the immunization is not causing anything deleterious. It's only producing positive benefits. And uh, that needs to be you know, tailored. So um, that's where the research is. That's what the clinical trials are going on. They don't want to use the full length alpha-synuclein. They want to use mutated short forms so that we don't immunize against the entire alpha-synuclein. We only want to take away bad alpha-synuclein. We don't want to take away good ones. And we also don't want to damage neurons that are not damaged yet. So all those strategies need to play out. But I think um, your question is a good one, that perhaps strategies that work everywhere throughout the nervous system as well as in the gut or elsewhere in the body actually is very strategically important.
0: Right. Could you give us a, a visual on that, that clock I'm talking about, let's say from, last, from 2018, January, to the, to the end of this year? I know it moved a little bit towards a cure, but is it significant or? or...
1: I think I think it's significant, at least from the pre-clinical, meaning uh, the part of the research where we're looking at in animal models, we're looking at model systems. There's been very big moves. Uh, the clinical trials is the next step, and that's already happening But I think it's going to take some more time before we know for sure whether these strategies are going to be um, making a big dent in patient care. But that's always the case. It takes a little bit of time between the time you discover something in an animal model to actually make it translationally relevant to patients. This new uh, piece of information that came last week from the um, UK-European Parkinson's Disease Congress on the new vaccine study It's actually a good thing because they had done this study for several months now and the European Commission as well as the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, had a chance to review their results on the first cohort of patients. And um, that first cohort of patients uh, did indicate that uh, it was safe and the company was allowed to continue the study. So that is a good news. Um, Had it not been safe and people had lots of side effects, then they wouldn't have been allowed to continue. So that's good. The other study, which is going on from neuroimmune biogen, is also um, proceeding. People are still getting recruited, and that study is still progressing in several sites around the country. So I'm, I'm optimistic, and I'm hoping that next year or 2019 or 2020, we should have uh, real products available, hopefully for patients to use and uh, patients to get to benefit from.
0: It sounds good. So I, I like to see similarities in in the uh, the news or the uh, the medical the medical journals that they sort of overlap each other over the like in the last couple months. A lot of these studies overlap each other, which to me is a very very good sign.
1: I agree. So I mean reproducibility and. Uh, uh, robustness of studies, meaning if it 's done in more than one place and people are finding the same thing it 's always good news and science and I think that 's a healthy sign that uh, we are making progress but let 's keep our fingers crossed and see if it right. all translates
0: yeah and uh, one last thing at least for me is Dr. Soum, do you think that the the cure to parkinson 's is out there right now in somebody 's lab desk, or do you think that we haven 't even come close to even seeing the, that 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 cure?
1: I think that's uh, that's a very difficult question to answer. I think cures for Parkinson's are always uh, an optimistic uh, viewpoint, and I really hope that there is one on somebody's desk. Uh, but at least what is available in the literature, what is published, um, is not yet there. We're closed. We're making lots of progress. We have lots of new treatments that are coming in and lots of Uh, very good data. So I'm always optimist. Uh, My personal view, and I've said this in previous podcasts, when I started practicing uh, 1988, uh, we had exactly two medicines for Parkinson's disease. Uh, At best, we could say three. Uh, Now we have uh, close to 20 plus different treatments, uh, surgery, uh, deep brain stimulation, Duopa, gene therapy, stem cell work, all kinds of wonderful things that, and even the idea of doing a vaccine for Parkinson's disease. So I think if you look at it from that perspective, we are making dramatic progress. And I really hope in my lifetime that there would be cures for Parkinson's disease and that uh, it's going to happen sooner than later.
0: Great. And uh, I had my last word. Do you have anything else? Are you pretty much done?
1: I think, I think we covered it. It's a good uh, show with uh, good coverage. Hope we get a good feedback.
0: Yep. Sounds good. Thank you, Dr. Sue. You're welcome. Bye.